Ready, Nick? Let's do it. Talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. I'm your host, Alex DeBoard. Riding with me as always, Nick Wilson, kicking it up and kicking it down. Man, we've got an exciting episode. We cannot wait to get this one underway. It's been coming at us for a long time. Gator Outdoors is in the house, and they're ready to kick the tires and light the fires. Pull up a chair and sit a while. Nicholas, how in the world are you tonight? I'm doing great, man. It's the leaves are falling and falls in the air. Falls in the air and deer season is upon us. And I tell you what, I've went around the world of social media for the last few years and I've saw all these people wearing this amazing branded content. And uh, I tell you, it was always cool to see a brand with a couple of gator eyes peeking out at you. And I always thought, I wonder what the mind behind that brand is and what kind of man he is. And tonight, he's joined us, and I cannot wait to talk to him. Mr. Wade Borman, Gator Outdoors, how are you doing, sir? Hey, boys. Thanks for having me tonight. I'm doing well. I think the biggest thing for uh, us to get you on came from a uh, from a little tidbit of information we got from the guys up at uh, the Full Draw Assassins. You know, Kyle and Derek and those boys are really kind of spoke so highly of you. I wanted to talk to you, and uh, like I said, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to be with us. You know, I appreciate that a bunch, and I appreciate them guys, you know, especially starting a brand that's only a few years old and uh, having people that want to wear your apparel, and, and especially when they start a brand their own and they want to wear yours to help them get started. I thought that was great, you know. Um, it's kind of nice having a support like them. And the same goes for uh, for Trevor and the Outdoor Drive guys. He, I oh, talked yeah. to him this week, and – Trevor, he asked me, he said, so what's coming up for you in the next week? We talk once a week, try to bounce ideas off each other. And I said, you know, Wade's coming on with us and going to chat with us a while. And he said, dude, that is my dog. He said, I have got to tell you, you're going to be excited for him. And uh, and I have been. Yeah. Trev actually has been with me um, since the very beginning. Um, since East Coast and then all the way down to Outdoor Drive. So he's been with me since day one um, with everything I've started. So I actually don't remember how we even linked up and how we even got started, but um, I was on the phone with him today a couple times. We're Snapchat buddies. We talk, you know, all the time. I love what he's doing out there on the East Coast, um, fishing and stuff. I'd love to go out there and try that sometime. You've never been fishing with him? No, I've never been fishing out there with him. No, I mean, I live, I'm actually, the Mississippi River is behind my window right here. So, you know, I'm used to being over here and I've never been to the East Coast fishing. So what part of Iowa do you fall into? Is it southeast, southwest? Uh, no, actually, I'm northeast. Northeast, okay. Wow, you're you're way on the high side. So as it yeah. as it's grown, and Iowa's grown as a big buck state, and we're going to go all the way back to the beginning as we always do, but I want to know yeah. what your latest thoughts are. Is is the north northeast becoming um, like the northwest, like the southeast, or like the southwest, or what's all the different areas as it pertains to the big buck? Guys, where do you want to go now? Yeah, that's tough. You know, being from here, I guess we don't talk about it too much. Um, <laughs> he says, not the Northeast. <laughs> yeah, stay out of the Northeast. Yeah. I mean, um, there's big deer all over. A good friend of mine, actually, I think his deer right now is number three archery buck in the state, number two, somewhere in there. He was number one for quite a few years, um, and that was killed not too far from where I'm sitting right now. But um, 
you know, I, it's hard to say. Um, I definitely like the eastern part of the state better than the western side. It's completely different. People think of Iowa and they think flat. They think cornfields flat, um, not much going on, and that's not the case at all. If you've ever been to southeast Iowa or northeast Iowa, it is completely different than the other side of the state, completely different. Um, you know, we're still considered flatlanders when you're wrong, but <laughs> there's there's some deep, you know, ravines, bluffs, you know. Those whitetails got to hide somewhere, and, uh, yeah, we're lucky to be on this part of the state. Yeah, I know down in the southeast portion of the state where I spend a lot of time, first time I got there, I expected it to be all flat. And I'm telling you, you get on the side of one of those hills, and they don't just go straight up. It carries for a long way. You oh, think, yeah. man, that ain't much of a hill. No, it's a, it's a pretty steep climb when you get going at it. Oh, yeah, for sure. How's it? How's the um, weather up there this time of year? Um, I'll tell you what, this, this month, you know, we're, we've been excited for October 1st, but this month has been warm, extremely warm. Last year we were blessed. Last year we had a big cold front come through and I was just looking at old Instagram photos from last year, just some old content we had. And I was all bundled up in jackets and had a couple of does on the ground already. And man, I, I've only been out probably twice just because it's been so ungodly hot and the mosquitoes have been horrible. Um, it's been dry. It's been a really weird couple of weeks, but this coming weekend, we have our first actual cold front um, within about a 15 to 20 degree difference in temp, which we, we have desperately need. Um, all my dear, for a lot of my friends that I know, I'm still just, you know, still not even in daylight yet. So um, we, we got a few weeks yet, but it's going to heat up fast. It's, it's going to heat up real fast here, pretty couple of days. Is most of the corn already cut up there in your, your area? Um, I would say there's a good, there's a good start for sure. Cause it's so dry, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be good for later in the season. But, um, yeah, I would say a good portion. I'd probably say 30, 40% for sure. Yeah. And there was a boom crop in the state of Iowa this year. I talked to, I mean, 90 bushel and acre beans. I mean, it, it's been big for them. And I've talked to a lot of guys up there and for me to go to Iowa every year or whenever I get the chance to go, it's it's been unbelievable to see how the weather shifts up there at a moment's notice. I mean, I'm talking overnight. It can go from 50 degrees to snowing and 10 degrees day in and day out. And I think that one thing, being from the south, we always know there's a little bit of a cold front coming. But let me tell you what, you leave the house without a jacket in Iowa, you're going to be in trouble if you get caught out because it goes from warm to bone-chilling cold quick. <laughs> we always laugh because in the morning you'll have your heat on in your vehicle and the, during lunchtime you have the air on because it's so damn hot yeah. and back at nighttime it's the heat it's just it's non-stop it never ends you know it's just how it is here so um yeah. the humidity is really really thick heavy here in the summer months um a lot of people from the south they get up here and they go boy it's hard to breathe here boy i said yeah <laughs> i said it's a heavy heat it's it's, it's not dry heat it's just hot have you ever so, witnessed anything like last year during the first two weeks of november how warm it was uh, you know, no, that was, that was, that was pretty crazy. Wasn't it? I mean, it was, yeah, we, I remember during December, we've had some really warm months, um, during shotgun season where it just doesn't even feel like it's going to be, it's, it's December. It's supposed to be snow on the ground. Things are supposed to be frozen. You're sitting there at 65 degrees and you're going, what in the world's going on here? <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be 20. Yeah. If you walk around with a shirt off during shotgun season like my uncle did a couple of years ago, that was – he said, i got to take my shirt off. He said, I'm about to smother. He said, this is unreal. <laughs> I'm like, it's December and Iowa. You do not do that. 
I wouldn't We've think that January before. I wouldn't think the We've mosquitoes done. would be that bad up there. Oh, they're thick here, real thick. <laughs> Actually, I'll show you my arms. This is uh, from my last one I was just on. I don't know if you can see me or not. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm not sure if I got poison sumac or what I got into, but um, at first I thought I got into a bunch of mosquitoes, which I did um, on my first hunt. But I'm, I got into something nasty. It's been a couple of weeks now. It's, it's going away now, but. Buddy, if them mosquito bites, you might want to go uh, out armed with a ball bat next time because there's some big jokers. <laughs> I got a lot of meat on me, too, so I was a good feast. Oh, my goodness. Well, Wade, I want you to take it back for us all the way back to the good old days when you first got your start in the beginning in the outdoors. And I think that's going to paint the perfect picture for what the Gator Outdoors brand is, where it's at, where it's going, and where, it, where it's been. But I take it all the way back to the beginning for us. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Eastern Iowa. I grew up in uh, a little town of Preston, Iowa, a town of about a thousand. I think I graduated with 16, I think, in my class, 15 or 16. Um, we played eight man football, believe it or not. We didn't have enough for 11 man. Um, we're a real small school. I always joke around and say uh, um, there were six girls in my class. I think I dated five. Um, I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, no, but on a serious note, I started out with my grandfather just coon hunting. I actually wasn't a deer hunting until I was probably in my mid teens is when I really started deer hunting, but coon hunting really took over my blood. It's still in my blood big time. I love to do as much as I can, but with my job and everything and being on the road, it's, it's difficult to get back into, into coon as much as I want to, but um, coon hunting is where, where everything started out at trapping, being with my grandpa learning. I think that's the big thing about me as a whitetail hunter is I learned, how to read sign, how to do that kind of stuff, trapping, and, uh, you know, just having patience versus just grabbing a shotgun and just going out and, yep, now I need a bow. So I don't know. It was just different for me. Um, I did shotgun hunt in the beginning as well, but um, just realized it wasn't much of a challenge anymore. I love the camaraderie. Um, nothing wrong with that at all, but I just wanted to pick up a bow. It was a challenge for me that I wanted to overcome, and my first year out, I, I shot a bow. Actually, I've been lucky ever since to shoot a buck every year. So, um, you know, really that's where it started was just coon hunting, going to trial hunts with my buddies. Um, that's cool. That, you always, always loved whitetails. Always, you know, always watched the old, uh, all the old Realtree videos, um, Michael Waddell, all the guys from back in the day, a bone collector. Just always loved what they were doing, but I didn't have a clue where to start. Didn't have a clue. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I got, I'm going to learn this. And I learned it all, you know, pretty much all on my own. It's it's wild to me to hear someone that grew up in probably the number one big buck state in the country, and you're the first person out of 70-whatever episodes this is that we've done to say you got your start coon hunting and you still do it because that's something we grew up doing and our passion grew with dogs. I mean, it's pretty cool to hear you say that because, man, you live in the coon capital of the world. I mean, they're everywhere oh. up there. <laughs> They are thick. And, you know, there's not a lot of people do it anymore, and I don't do it near enough like I used to. And I actually – I'll tell you what, boys. The other day, I, I, when, my dogs are getting pretty old. I think my my youngest dog right now is probably nine. Um, they're, I mean, they're old. They're going to be tough running. They're not even in shape or anything right now. But um, I looked at another dog down south, actually, and I think it was around Nashville. A real good walker. All my dogs have been walkers my whole life. And uh, I asked for a price, and they said, you know what? He goes, dude, he goes, dogs are a lot more expensive than they used to be. I said, yes, I can imagine. I think I bought my first dog in high school for three grand, um, a real good dog. And I started 
you know, I started getting litters out of her and stuff, but they wanted seven grand for this female. And I said, dude, no way. I'm not paying seven grand for a dog. But I go, I had no money in high school and I paid three grand. <laughs> yeah. I'm 32 years old now. Yeah. I should be able to do it, but it's just like, ah, I can't, man. I can't do it. So I didn't, I didn't pull the trigger, but I think once I have kids, when they start coming out, I think, uh, yeah, I'll have to get back into having some really good dogs again. Coon dogs have went stupid prices, but I'll tell you what's yeah. crazy is squirrel dogs. We now My dad's a big squirrel dog hunter, and, and he's had them for years, those curs, and we ran walkers. Nick and I both did growing up as far as coon hunting goes, but when we got into squirrel hunting, I never realized that someone would actually pay fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars for some of these championed-out dogs, and good lord, at the prices they're paying for them now. When you flip that switch on that leash, it could be game over for twenty grand if you've paid that much for that dog. Any highway around, you're gonna, you're taking a chance with it. You know, and th- I mean that's the truth. Back in the day, we didn't have dog insurance, and that's a thing now. You can buy dog insurance. Yep. You know, you'd almost have to. I mean, I mean that's a huge investment. Yeah. And, and the luck I have with dogs, all you know, that twenty five grand is definitely not going to make me money. No, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't take into account, and why that it's changed so much because people do have more money to spend, and they are willing to take it to the next level. But I don't want to get on a long diatribe about that. The cost of dogs, but people pay it because they want the best. They want to show up to a hunt, and they want to have the best that they could possibly have, and. I think you could take a mutt up there in Iowa, though, and throw it out, and it's going to get treed as many coons as up there. You know, I think the big thing, too, is why they're so high-priced is people don't have the time to train. That's right. That's true, yep. And they'd rather just spend five to ten grand on a dog and say, all right, this one, you know, I'm going to get three four coon a night, and I'm going to be done. Perfect. I don't do anything. I'm just going to spend the money and be done with it. So um, that's that's where you're at with that money game. And it's all about papers anymore and, and the bloodline, and I get it. But I remember going back in the day, my, me and my grandpa, we'd drive eight hours by a, by a black and tan for 50 bucks. We'd work that sucker to death all year long. And, you know, we'd get 40, 50 hours out of that dog that year. And we had, we had a blast doing it. And um, this was probably one of his last years he can go. So I ended up buying a, a new side-by-side Ranger. And I'm going to get him in that thing. And we're going to go out. And I got a lot of content this year for Gator coming out with that. Um, photographers and videographers just out there repping the brand. And we're just going to go cooning. You couldn't hardly do it around here anymore for the for the growth of Atlanta. I mean, the places that we used to hunt, we would get run off of it sometime during the night, but now it's got so bad that you would have to go deep south or just have a good place with a lot of acreage around here now. Yeah. No, I, I bet. I bet. I, w- I've been, I was actually in Atlanta, um, was it two, three years ago, and that place was getting thick. I mean, you <laughs> hit people everywhere. We're 50 miles north of it, and the growth right. from, uh, from Atlanta has came so far up that – now, old family farms and stuff we've hunted, you'd throw a dog out on 60 acres and you'd have plenty around because nobody cared. It's the middle of the night and you know they're out hunting. Now you do it and they ain't no telling what's going to happen. People are shooting at you in the dark. They're calling the law on you, whatever, and they don't even understand the concept. We're just running their dogs. My dog don't read posted signs. That's right. So, you, yeah. you guys run any beagles up there for rabbits? Oh uh, Yeah, actually, a lot of my buddies do. Uh, my grandpa did for years. I never really got into it. I wish I would have. Um, you know, he spent all the night long running dogs. I just never got you <laughs> yeah. know, into it during the day. And actually, a lot of my buddies too, they're big into pheasants and stuff. And actually, they made a way back um, in our area. But um, if I'm not watching a dog work pheasant hunting or rabbit hunting, I ain't going. That's to be honest. I don't get too jazzed up about shooting pheasants or shooting ducks without a dog. I just don't. Yeah. yeah I think that's the thing that a lot of people, dog men like to watch a dog work. 
no matter if they're killing anything or not, they like to watch that dog work. So, yeah. Definitely. So when it uh, when it got into the deer hunting for you, Wade, what was the what was the big thing there? I mean, when it first teed off, did you kill your first one with a bow shotgun? I think is what you said. So, and take us through that a little bit. I mean, the the you know the deer drives up there. That's something I've done since. I don't know, the last eight years I've got fortunate enough to go up and get jump those ditches and, and kick them up. And it's it's pretty pretty wild to see that and the camaraderie you spoke of. Yeah, I mean, I was doing it for quite a few years, um, five, six years. I really didn't pick up a bow toss. Probably, I think, a junior in high school um, mm-hmm. is when I picked up a bow. Didn't know anything about it. Actually, my first bow I bought, I had it for about a month, and I actually was shooting very well with it. Um it was a Hoyt. I'm trying to remember a Hoyt. Is it reflex? Mm-hmm. Would, that, would that would have been that? A yeah, Hoyt there reflex. was a reflex. I yeah. I think, okay. I think it's what it was. I only owned it for a little short while and I ended up having to buy a bigger bow because I realized that was too small for me. <laughs> um, I'm 6'5, 270 pounds. So, you know, it's Good just. A, gosh. Yeah, it wasn't really going to be the bow for me. Um, but <laughs> funny um, bringing this up. I had that bow for a month and I actually had to run to town. And I don't remember if I was picking up a six pack of beer for myself. I party, but I just got a shower and my broadheads fell in my bow case and didn't really realize it. And so I threw my towel over my broadheads and then was getting dressed and then stepped on them. Oh, completely God. through my heel. Yeah. So take uh, it wasn't a mechanical. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, was fixed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, I'm And it was uh, the, the crazy thing about it though was. Uh, um, I didn't really even feel it. I thought it was just like a tack. I'm like, oh, you know, not a big deal. And then I looked at it and I realized, <laughs> and my guy was buying me beer. I had about five or 10 minutes to get there. So I duct taped as tight as I could, didn't look at it, threw my boot on, got the beer, came back and realized my boot was full of blood. So um, I drank those beers upside down to keep my foot, you know, dry. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, no, but I, you know, I got into it just, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of my friends were doing it. I, you know, just was always intrigued by it, um, intrigued about just being on the woods by yourself, just you and you know, this feeling of you know, I want to succeed in something. I don't know. It was just this, just something was really drawing me out there, and uh, uh, picked up a bow when I when I killed my first deer, and I was hooked. Um, I think it was a one hundred thirty inch deer. Nothing real big at the time. Obviously not here in Iowa. But I was jacked. I was stoked. Um, it really took off from there. And uh, I think I did 20, 23 or 22 or 21 all-day sits that year um, in a row is what I did. Um, I had a month off from work for vacation, and I pretty much sat all day every day to, uh, before I saw a deer I wanted to shoot because um, I, was, I, was I was that driven to do it. So I think it was – no one really in my family ever did it before. Um, there was really no background for it. I just, I was a boy scout for years. I mean, I always loved to be speaking in the woods and I don't know. It just took, it took over me. I would say now my passion is definitely coon hunting. Definitely. But, um, this is completely different. I don't even know how to explain it. I, I, that, I mean, that's cool for me to hear mm-hmm. that you're, you know, cause we've not had anybody on. I mean, I say it again, that's just, it blows my mind to hear somebody that lives in Iowa that is such a big coon hunter and, now the cost of hides up there aren't where they anywhere where they were probably no. fifteen years ago now, and that's something I know. Trapping and everything else has faded out. Well, I mean, it's tough. I mean, the price of fuel and everything else. You got. I mean, 
the way things are now, it's just not as what it used to be. So, you know, you'd like to, when you go out and spend all this kind of money and do this stuff, you want to get some money back, but you got to do it for the love of it, which, you know, most of us still do. So I think that's the thing in anything you do, you got to have a passion for it and you got to have a, uh, a segue into it and people that don't put a passion into it. They just do it for the fame or the glory. The glory is in the passion. You got to live it. And if you're not living it and putting everything you got into it, you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to stick with it for an extended period of time. And I yeah, think I that's, think that. I think that's one thing that's led, led to be your success and everything you've done and kind of led to where you actually bought your, bought your first big piece of ground in, in Iowa. Um, I know I heard that story on another podcast you did and why don't you take us through that and take us through that journey when you decided to buy a piece of ground? Yeah, I think I'm going to back up just a little bit on something. I'm very self-motivated, so I think that's one thing that was very – I knew I could be successful and, and kill a big buck with a bow, and I think that was very intriguing to me. Um, kind of the, the way I kind of got into the outdoor industry was through, you know, being that, that motivated. I, I saw a lot of people doing it that I kind of knew or I was involved with. I won't mention any names on here. And uh, they end up not doing well. And I thought to myself, I can do this better than them, 10 times better than them. And I know the people around me. I have the support base and I know myself. So that's how I kind of got into it. And that's how I got into the business I'm in now as an insurance agent. But uh, and thank God for that, because that really brings in the money for to be able to start Gator is what happened. And then obviously to purchase my, my new property, my farm, I ended up buying. Um, I got married last September. I bought that property about two years ago. I believe is what it was and uh, two or three years ago. And yeah, I've had a lot of success on that farm. Um, <laughs> we were, it's funny because we were actually just uh, having a couple of beers on a gravel road, my wife and I, and we saw a for sale sign in the ditch of this property along the river. It was like 30 acres. We really didn't know what the for sale sign was for. We thought maybe it was just thrown there. So I called the number on it and the realtor answered and I told him my, you know, I said, I'm pretty interested in this property. And he told me the price and said that what well, you want to look at it. I was like, well, we're already here. We're drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, said, yeah, I'll be over whatever. And I really just, you know, I just lowballed it, the offer. And just because we weren't even thinking about buying a property at the time, we did, we're just getting ready to get married. We got a lot of things going on. Um, just bought an engagement ring. And uh, he told me the price. And I lowballed it. And he, he basically told me the, the guy's not going to accept that. So I'm not really going to tell him your offer. And I said, that's no problem. I said, um, but your job is to, you know, I know the game. You have to give him an offer by law. You have to. Mm-hmm. So he called and told him and said, yeah, I'll take it. And just like that, <laughs> I, had to, I had to go to the bank by next morning and own the property because my, my loan officer was going on vacation. So he opened the bank early and we signed papers and we were done. So um, ever since then, it's been a, it's been a lot of work. Just uh, that little 30-acre piece is surrounded by a lot of good ground. Thank God. Um, no one gun hunts the ground around me, which is great. But uh, we're all basically in agreement on what goes on um, with our property. Now, some people may not like each other. They may not like me, like me but we do get along regarding deer. So um, that's a great thing that we have going for us. Have you built on that property yet? We have not. We're going to. Um, we're going to build our house on that. We'll hopefully, we'll break ground next spring, depending on the way – the industry is going, the home industry, that is. Um, I'm not about to lose money the way the government's going, but um, yeah, we're going to build on it next year and it's going to be, it's still going to be great for deer. We have, I have corn out there right now. I got turnips. I got a lot of big time alfalfa out there right now. Um, 
tons of corn. It's beautiful. What was some of the first first things that you done when you went into that piece of property? First thing I really did, um, I had to really take a step back and look at the, at what was really going on with it. Um, because I've never been there before and it's kind of untouched and it's not, not a lot of ground really, if you think about it, but it's just enough. I mean, it's 11, 12 acres of, of, of tillable ground. So it's, and it's all organic. When I mean organic, it's never been, it's never been messed with by equipment. My farm equipment never had anything done to it. Um, I think maybe some Amish have put chicken shit on it in the past. Really, it's all I've done, I think. Um, so the clover looks pretty good, but the soil, the soil test, it really needed some P and K bad. It was pretty, it was pretty worn down. Um, well, I just took a big step back. I really didn't do anything the first year because I ended up getting it in October, the beginning of October, actually probably around this time. Um, is when I closed. So I just had a bunch of cameras up and I kind of stayed out until I saw a nice buck on camera and then pursued it. But uh, the second year, I got more active with it. Um, hinge cut a few different things. Um, the problem with that property is there was already loggers there. So they left it with a lot of locust trees. Okay. Um, and I really can't hang on anything except a locust tree. So I had to spend a lot of time cutting off the thorns on these locust trees so I could hang and hunt. That's not very fun to do. No, obviously. no. <laughs> um, so I spent a lot of time doing that, but for some reason, these this deer these deer love this area so much. Um, it's crazy. But after that, I mean, after that second year, I had enough time and and money to put into that property where we completely just overhauled it with with big time, seeding it down, getting things where they need to be. Um, we still have another year yet where we get the soil just about right, where we're going to have some really good quality crops that's coming out of there. Now we're not looking for yield because we're not going to obviously take the money on the yield, but uh, we definitely want to have deer stick around, which when all that corn's out from around us, all the other areas just got nothing left. We're going to have the green source. We're going to be hot. What a, what a late season area to be in. I mean, if you've got that ground. (laughs) Yeah. I just actually picked up a lease, um, a couple hundred acres here, not too far from my property. Um, that I'm actually, that was my plan is this lease is going to be my, my September through, I should say, say September, October 1st through, you know, probably November 5th. And then I'm going to jump back to my place. And that's what I want to do. I do hunt a lot of public in, in between on shitty days that I don't want to be messing with my properties. So I will bounce around in public for, I'll probably on public more than anything, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm very selective when I'm in my place or this lease. So is water scarce up there? No. No. Uh, it's like it's probably a pond on every farm up there okay no well the river's right here i mean we have the mississippi river in our back door so i mean that's we got a lot of river bottom ground and um um i'm lucky because in iowa's a two-buck state so what i mean by that is you know i get my resident tag and i'm also landowner yep so you know that's the great thing is i can go and shoot a buck off my property then i also shoot a buck as my statewide tag so um like last year i shot a river buck on the Mississippi River with my boat, and then, uh, um, well, I guess before that, I shot my buck off my property. So, with a, um, you said with a, a boat. Yeah, I took a boat down river and jumped on an island and uh, <laughs> barely got up the tree and shot a buck. So it was a good time. Threw it back in the boat and then uh, had a bunch of beer when I got back. <laughs> was that late season? But and that buck had went there from the gun hunt. Yeah, I chopped up that story, but uh, <laughs> before, right, right before gun season, he, he wasn't a big deer at all. It was just the way my year went. Um, on my property, I was chasing after a mid-150s, uh, almost a 160 um, eight-pointer, mainframe eight, and I was after him pretty heavy, and I ended up killing him the week prior of before I went on this river hunt, and uh, 
I told my wife, I said, I really want to go in that public ground because I know there's a really good buck um, that I'm after. But I said, my goal this year was go down river and just get in a tree. Yeah. Just see what it's like just to get on the river and just go hunt. So one morning I just went out and did that. And I called her at eight o'clock and said, Hey, fill my tag. I'm done for the year. <laughs> I said, get the beer on ice. <laughs> yes. How much have times changed over the last 10 years with uh, non-residents? Have you seen an you know, explosion? I, no, I, I mean, it's very quiet here. I, for me, for us in the area here, very quiet. I don't think our public is pressured at all. Iowa has a really good thing going on. That's what's so great about how hard it is to get in here is because we have some really good people in the office that are taking care of how hunters operate around here. And I, I love it. I really do. Um, I, I don't know much more about, and this is a different issue, but I'm not sure about the dog tracking, you know, the, the issues that are going on with dog tracking. We couldn't do that for years. I don't know the ins and outs of that yet, <clears throat> but hopefully, I mean, some I'm sure does. I listen to the podcast, but I haven't really looked into it too deep. Um, I'm pretty sure we can do it, but I would definitely call game warden before we do it. I saw uh, I saw Greg Glessinger shared the uh, Pope and Young had reinstated the uh, reconstituted dog tracking as one of their principles, or, or uh, they're allowing it again to be possible. Um, they wouldn't recognize a deer for a long time that was found by a dog, and now they're allowing it again. I saw that was shared out today. Um, and I guess that ruling was made sometime in the last week. I know they had their big meeting, so it's pretty – I think – I mean, for me, if you shoot a deer, you need to do any way, shape, or form you can to find that deer. I mean, you want to you want to get it as soon as possible, and I don't really understand that whole concept, why you wouldn't allow a dog to find it. I mean, I guess somebody might use it for the wrong reasons, but why not? Yeah, and that's, and that's the main thing is somebody does and, and somebody has, so that's just – one person runs it for everybody else. You know how that goes. Is Iowa a uh, right to hunt state? Well, I'm, I didn't hear you guys. A right to hunt? Yes. Is yeah, Iowa. yeah, yeah. What do you mean by that? I don't understand what you're asking. Like you can, if it's not posted, you can hunt it. Correct. If it's not posted, yes. Yeah, you have to have permission by the landowner. Okay. You still have to have permission. I, okay. I think yeah. you're talking about like what's up in Maine. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you now, is it still? If you have a wounded animal that crosses property lines, as long as you don't take a weapon, you can pursue that game onto their Correct. property. Correct. And, and I thought that's what you meant by the right to hunt. Because, I mean, right to pursue, I should say. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, we, we mean, we could call the game where I did that last year. Um, he said I didn't need to call him at all. I can just go pursue it. I said, well, I was just doing the right thing. I guess I didn't really even think twice. So, um, yeah. So I heard you mention that. I, I think it was on uh, the working class when you were on with them, and they, they thought, they said, would you shoot it? And you were like, oh, yeah, and they were talking about the landowner. He's like, no, that's <laughs> oh, dude, I laughed so hard about that because it yeah. went on a, this big, long thing. Wade oh, was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, I know. <laughs> when I was on that podcast, I think right before that, I told them guys, too, I said, I think I'm getting cold. They're like, oh, that ain't a big deal. I said, pretty sure. You know, I feel like crap. They said, no, you're fine. We got you scheduled. Sounds good. Showed up. I drank a three quarters of, I think, maybe a half a bottle of Captain. Oh, God. I, there. I just couldn't. I was like, dude, I don't taste this beer, so I'm just getting this Captain. You know, like I tasted a little bit, and I'm like, shouldn't be here, guys. In this little room, you know, doors shut. I'm like, all right, whatever. Super spreader. Here we go. <laughs> how, oh, much, how much is the uh, 
the way you hunt as far as a tree stand, saddle, lock on, how much has that changed with all the new technology? Oh, you're asking a Midwest guy this. Um, the saddle game here in the Midwest, I mean, I know there's some guys around here that do it. I don't know anybody person that uses saddle whatsoever. Nothing against them. Um, I'm not hanging from a tree at my size, you know, like a monkey rolling around the tree. I just, just don't see it. I would think that was bigger up there. I would have thought that would be bigger up there. No, 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 no. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Personally, okay. I'm not against it. I'm not knocking it down at all. Um, I'm still the standard guy. I got the sticks, you know, and I'm going to use that big game stand, that XL or that River's Edge, the big game, you know, the real big, as big as you can get it. I'm up in that thing, guys. If, you know, as high as I can get. Just because I'm a big dude. I don't want this little XLP that weighs six pounds, you know breaking my neck yeah if it, i would love to see wade in a saddle get him in one of those latitude saddles trevor when you listen to this send him one over i want to see a oh, six my. foot seven guy in a saddle i don't i ain't seen that yet i don't i just thought it was bigger up there i thought that was a game changer for the midwest with all those crooked trees the thing about the thing about it is though in iowa you're you're setting up most people there they're not if they're coming from out of state they're planning way ahead because of the time frame that they have to hunt those. And I think with the, the saddle game, it's more of a in-and-out kind of game. You're walking a long way. You can walk 100 yards off the road in Iowa on some of this public and be in some of the best hunting in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not having to travel all this long distance because it is so under pressure. Whereas where we're at and in Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, whatever, you got to push in and you got to get a little bit further. So I think, I think Iowa is that different state. Everything around it, I'm sure they're hunting out of saddles. You know, I, one big thing, too, I don't know. I mean, really think about it. Who's going real deep? I mean, three, five, six hundred yards. I mean, who who's really going over that that to a thousand or more yards to walk into a, a stand somewhere or get it set up? I mean, there's not – I don't know. I'm Everything I have is already pre-done. I do it all before season. I jump in. I know what I'm doing. Um, I always actually – I should say I shouldn't say that. One of my favorite, one of my favorite tools is my summit climber. I love my summit climber. Yep. I use climbers for almost everything. Honestly, um, there's a lot of good straight trees around the river's edge. So, um, and they're real tall and get up 25, 30 feet if you want to. And, uh, being my big self, I just, I just love climbers. I feel safe in them. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big climber guy too. And like you said, I'm, I'm a big guy too. So it's a lot easier. And down here, we got so many pine trees. I mean, you could pick and choose wherever you want to go down here. But the reason I was asking that is because we both hunt in Illinois also, and, and the lock-on has changed. I never used a lock-on here as I was coming up. It was always climber, 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 maybe a ladder stand. Yeah. But now it's all lock-on for us, and, and now, you know, they're getting lighter, and now the saddle's coming. I don't want to do saddle. I'm like you. I, I don't – I sometimes I'll sit till 12 or 1 o'clock, go out and grab a snack and come back. I don't want to sit up there in that stand for six or seven hours hanging by my – ass cheeks you know <laughs> so and, oh. and hats off to trevor for uh hats off to trevor for doing that but i i'm not, i'm not a big guy and i'm not getting in a saddle <laughs> I, I could see I'd, I'd look like a a cowboy in a pair of assless chaps up there hanging <laughs> i'd be i'd be better off hanging from a tree from that than i would one of those saddles Dude, that's just not me. My, my shadow would scare the deer away that's how big i am <laughs> my shadow would be hitting the ground they're going what in the world the ghost and they'd run <laughs> they wouldn't know what was going on so I just can't. My silhouette would be too big. I, I, I really do do like climbers. That's kind of what I. That's why I feel most comfortable. And that's why I feel, feel the most safe. And honestly, I got a couple of nice lock guns. Um, 
I really switched to some River's Edge last year. The Brute, that was a good stand. Um, yeah. I, have I don't one. have any of those stands up. I yeah. got one of those River's Edge, and that thing is nice. You can fold those armrests up on the side. You can lean over on it. Really? It's yeah. made for a big guy, but when you hang that thing, that's yeah. where it's staying for the rest of its life. Yeah. <laughs> it weighs about 45 pounds, it seems like. There's a lot of good stand companies really out there. I know Novix is new. They got some cool stuff out. I like to try some of their gear. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in all of them, honestly. Yeah. Novix was the one that I was trying to think of earlier. Okay. That's the one I think the Midwest Whitetail guys are using. Is that, does that sound right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, that sounds right. Yep. We've, we've kind of got into the mobile game a little bit more the last few years as it pertains to buying a lot of stuff. Now, I use um, a set of Hawk sticks. I bought a um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear stand this year just to try. It's one I wanted to see. I like the lightweightness of it. And I'm only 150 pounds, so I can get in a stand of that size. But it's it's kind of changed so much from what you said, the River's Edge. And even those old Millenniums, they're, they're, they're heavy as could be. I mean, and I've carried them around too. So Tell us. Yeah. Let's let's go into the real reason that we got you on here. Outside of talking about the past, let's get into the Gator Outdoor thing and touch on that. You can start wherever you want because I don't know where to start with you. <laughs> yeah, actually, when I was in the when I started in the industry, um, you guys are probably familiar with Chip City, um, Chip City, Chris Brackett, them guys yeah. from years, years ago. Um, I actually helped them out when I was young when I first started in the industry um, before everything went down with Chris. Obviously, that he screwed everything up, but. Anyway, what was you doing uh, for them? Um, I basically, I don't know. I was kind of like a little salesman <laughs> okay. at uh, shows. I would just go around and meet with vendors and, and speak with uh, different, different, different venues and just, just, you know, kind of get them to have more companies involved with them. And, and really that's what I did. And it was only, you know, maybe half a dozen times. Um, wasn't a bunch, but I learned a lot when I was at those shows. So that kind of, that kind of intrigued me a little bit on, on what I could do. That's that's because my passion is in the outdoors. Um, so I ended up, my mom actually owned a company called Gator Graphics. And the, the reason behind the name Gator is my dad's nickname is Gates. They call him Gates. And uh, they just had, some people call him Gator. It kind of was just a slang thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a, she just had a graphics design business called Gator Graphics. I thought, you know, that's something we could really take off in the outdoor industry. And we start doing full wraps and different things. But I'm like, I'm just kind of throwing things out there to kind of like get into the outdoors somehow. So I kind of use that name, that Gator Graphics, to get into um, ATA. And I actually went to ATA to meet with other companies and, and learn the ins and outs of the game and see what I'm missing out on. So I went there by myself and traveled and um, just kind of did a few things just to learn, um, I guess. And then I also got some some pretty large companies for us to do uh, their trucks, their truck wraps or, or, or vehicles or whatever they had. Thought that was pretty neat, but then I decided, you know, we need to add some clothing to this. We need to start, you know, kind of being more, you know, personal towards our local area. Um, just I just started really throwing different things out there until it stuck to people see what they liked and see what what people were really missing in the industry that we could do here locally. Um, so, needless to say, I had no clue what I was doing. Really, I had no clue what I was doing, and uh, I knew the company I wanted to start was Gator Outdoors. And I love that name as a whitetail name because you never forget the word gator as a whitetail brand because everybody else has something to deal with whitetail. You know, it's whitetail this, whitetail that, or it's a logo, it's a whitetail. It's just how it is. Um, I thought let's be a whitetail brand 
a lifestyle brand, but just completely slap the word gator on it. It'd be kind of like, why, why, why do that? Why do that? And it's put a couple arrows with the word gator stuck. I have no clue. It just took off. It was just fun. Um, there was a lot of alcohol involved. We were pl playing around with it. Um, not a whole lot of money was into it. Uh, just took off. And then basically what we need to do is we need to find people that kind of believe in what we did, which was just a small town lifestyle brand that, you know, we're working class, we're, we're family owned, everything we do is in-house. Um, we're very inexpensive because we do everything in-house. Nothing is outsourced. You know, we had that. But then recently this year, um, we went through a couple of big changes a year and a half. And recently this year at the uh, Iowa Whitetails Banquet, um, or not the banquet, the uh, Deer Classic, mm -hmm. um, this past year, this past winter, a gentleman reached out to me and wanted to buy me drinks and take me out and smooth me up a little bit and ask me questions and basically said, why are you doing this? And I said, well, you know, it's my passion. That's what I love to do. He goes, that's not good enough. Why are you doing this? And he was spending tons of money on me drinking and buying me food. Just was really just trying to win me over. And I knew that being a salesman, but yet he was making me deep, just it was digging into me. And we spent all weekend together and he kept asking me, why are you doing this? What is Gator Outdoors? And I kept thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I told you, this is, why, this is what I'm thinking. And he goes, why don't you take a couple weeks and, and think about it and get, call me back. He goes, I He's, I would tell you his name, but I can't yet. Yeah. Um, he's very big in the industry and he sees, he saw something big in me, which was great in me, not the company, which was awesome because he, he believes in me. Um, and I took a couple of weeks and, uh, he gave me a few things. He just said, basically write down 10 words that you think that Gator Outdoors is in one word, different words of that and, uh, and dig deep in what you think it is. And in that course of two weeks, it's funny because I was uh, walking with my wife um, in town and it was honestly probably five in the morning. It was pitch black. It was cold, really cold out. Um, there was a kid fishing in a stream in uh, a Gator Outdoor sweatshirt and a hat, Gator hat on. And it was pitch black. He's fishing. Young kid. I don't, I don't even know, 12, maybe 12, 13, somewhere in there. He was fishing. And I just, and it kind of caught me off guard to go, He's wearing our gear. He's wearing our stuff. And I said, hey, bud. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just fishing. I said, it's pretty cold out to be fishing. He goes, yeah, I walked about three miles to get here, too. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I just love fishing so much. I follow them Gator Outdoors guys. and He wants me to get out here and just keep fishing. And I just crushed me right there. And I said, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. That, that, so it, that's cool. I said, it's, 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 it's for them. It's not for me. It's not for anybody else. It's for them. I said, screw it. Gator Outdoors, be the reason told the guy, I said, three flat out words, be the reason. So that just took off. I said, Mackey's just do it. Cabela's is in your, in my passion or whatever it is. I said, everything's generational pretty much. And I said, you know what? This is huge because we can actually make a difference when no one else is. And, and I, I agree with Trev and we talk about this all the time. The, the game shaming, you know, that the, this is not a big buck, this and that. Kids are afraid to post their ghosts. Kids are afraid to post their small deer. We aren't doing that. What we're doing is you're repping our brand we slap your logo on our, or slap our logo on your back, whatever you got, go out, rep it, get us photos, have fun, share your memories. and feel it doesn't have to do anything. You don't have to kill anything. Just share your stuff and we post you. And I spent that first full winter of Gator 
And I went out and I wanted, I tried starting this idea of a kill hat where if you kill something, wear your hat and take a photo of it and you send it to us, I'll send you the free Gator kill shirt. And it's just exclusive to you and I'll send you some stickers and free stuff. And locally it took off kind of well, but no one really bought much stuff. So I went out and started finding kids and gave them, giving them hats to tell them what we're doing. I think I gave out almost 150 hats is what I did, um, trying to promote the brand. Um, and a lot of kids took off with it and it did really well. It was awesome. Well, then next year, all the adults did it. They bought the hats for themselves and they wanted a part of it. So it's kind of funny how that took off. But, um, you know, really the, the, the definition of be the reason was huge. And, uh, you know, that's really what we're all trying to do. So I won't get into more details on what, what's coming. That's coming next week and the weekend after. Um, very, very big. So we're excited for it. Um, ever since this cancel culture has started in the past year and a half, our page has taken a big hit. Um, they've really just, and I'm sure you guys noticed that too with your page, where some days you've had a lot of people really, you know, subscribe to you or talk to you and, and, and get really involved with your page. And then some days not, there's, it's crickets and you don't know why knowing that you have a very good post and then you want to reach out to the, to the younger generation or whoever your audience is. Well, we had that and now we've gotten so beat up that, you know, I think it's just from them controlling the market where we can't reach out. We're not even, we're not even allowed to sponsor some of our clothing stuff anymore because it's against guidelines. So we've tried sponsoring so many times that we can't sponsor anything. We can't buy or purchase something to, to push it out further. So we really like it when, People share our stuff now because we can't boost it. Um, we're not allowed to boost anymore. They, they've really shut our page down. It's tough. Um, we were posting a lot of pictures with kids with dead animals, and people were having a lot of fit about it. I mean, they were tearing us up. So when people share our stuff or like our stuff, it means gold to me because we can't pay to reach out farther to, to people that aren't seeing our page, which is tough. You know, I want people to say, hey, this is what we're doing for the youth and reach it out there, but can't do that. we got to have people that share it. And I think that's, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that because we've experienced some of that as well. I mean, we've made posts that just, you know, man, this is going to be gold. This is flatline right here. It's going put it, to put it on the map and it get half the, the interactions that it should. And I think it makes a lot of sense hearing you say that. We're all, I mean, we're all going to beat up out here in the outdoor industry. It's true. I mean, with everything, you know, everybody thinks that TV's kind of, you know, the hunting shows on TV are kind of taking a step back. I think the opposite. I think that's coming back even harder. I think that's going to be the way to go. I really do because you see some of these other outlets like YouTube. That's, you guys got to remember, that's kind of dying again already. That's, that's so – TikTok has took over big time. People have time for short clips. But for me, I'm really starting to see that I'm looking back more on television watching shows again or, or your Netflix or on Amazon Prime or whatever. I'm watching shows again, full episodes. So it's just – I don't know. It's just, it's all analytical. It really is, honestly. And you guys see it. We see it probably as much as, as anyone out there does. And it's a, it's a flushed market right now. I mean, the, we knew going into this whole podcast game, we were going to be up against the wall. We were going to have our backs pressed to it in order to try to be successful. And I think the difference for what we wanted to do with this, it wasn't something we ever, you know, envisioned being a grand, you know, orchestrated event where we quit our jobs and this is what we did for a living or whatever 70 something episodes we still are as passionate about it as we were on the first one that we did and we're going to continue to do this thing because 
we've got out of it raw, real, and emotional connections with people that we would never would have had an opportunity to have. I don't care what anything this ever comes from. If I can pick up the phone and call somebody that I've met through this show, that's all that's mattered to me. I mean, it's it's for us both. I mean, it's just been something we've been so passionate about, and the relationship building to us is it it'll far outweigh any money that we could ever make. I was listening to uh, Rogan the other the other day, and uh, Young Jamie looked it up because they were talking about how many podcasts are there now. I think he said two million podcasts is is, is what's out there, you know. And, and like you like you said before we started, wait, it's it's a it's a saturated industry, but you know, for what we're trying to do, and going back to your story about the kid, the other day we had a friend of ours, a really good friend of ours, his daughter had taken a doe with her bow, a crossbow, and. I asked her dad, I said, can you, can we post this? And he said, absolutely. It would make her day. And we had some friends go over there while they were taking, taking care of the deer. And they said that she was more excited about that Instagram post than she was taking the deer. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if that's, if that's what it takes and, and to get people out there and, and follow us, not, not just that, but to get those kids out there and, and understand it's okay to take a deer and understand it's, it's okay to go out in the outdoors and shoot what you want to. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Hundred percent. I I agree with you. Hundred percent. I I laughed. Cause it wasn't that long ago. There was a kid um, homecoming, and he had to get homecoming pictures. And his gator hat was all. It was just. It was getting bad. And he called me. It was on a Saturday, and I was quite a ways away from the shop. And he goes, "Hey, he goes get a new gator hat for homecoming pictures. Mine's getting pretty bad." And I go, "No kidding." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "It starts in an hour and a half." My pictures, and I'm like, "You know what? I'll be home by an hour. I can get a hat to you as fast as I can." So I stopped the shop, gave it to him. I thought, you know, these kids are getting homecoming pictures on with our stuff. I mean, these kids are really repping our gear. I can I can walk drive down somewhere, someone will see my truck with a big old gator outdoors on the side of it or on the back of it. And the kids will wave and wade or gator and they wave and it's just like this is pretty cool. It's like the ice cream man, but I'm giving away gator hats. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a really cool thing. And I was just got pizza again the other night, Sunday night. He goes, Hey, do you have a hat in the truck? I said, I don't. He goes, it costs money. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, he goes, he goes, I don't got no money. I said, I get that. I said, I get that. I said, if I give you a free one, though, then all the other kids want free ones too, right? He goes, yeah. Yeah. I said, I'll give you one. But I said, you can't tell your friends. He goes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I dropped one off later on. But yeah, it's just kind of funny how, you know, the youth is really where it's at. I really think so. I, I just heard. You know, on uh, Trev's podcast, Trev and Steve's, you know, they just had uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Jesse, on with his kid and uh, talking about their youth hunt. They just hadn't shot a big slob that we post on our Gator page uh, here about a week ago, week and a half ago. And he told his story on the podcast. And I thought that was really cool listening to a kid's story and explaining, getting excited and going, look at this kid. He's going to be in this industry forever now. Yep. He's going to absolutely love it. He was doing podcasts at 12 years old. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be really neat to see the youth and when they come up because right now the way the world's going, guys, if it wasn't for us, you know, and what we're doing within the industry, you know, I, it'd be a scary place right now. I mean, it is, but it'd be worse. And I think that's the thing that we wanted to be. If if we never reach outside of our own area, we've we've been able to make a difference locally here. And I mean, it's it seems like you go to go to a store or something, and you like you said, when you see somebody that has on a hat or a shirt or something. I mean, for us, I 
I can't imagine what it is for you with all the followers that you've got. You probably see your stuff all over the map, and I couldn't imagine that. That would be – well, I can't imagine it because it's coming one day. We're going to make it. We're going up. I mean, ain't no way but up for us. I don't I don't believe in that whole mindset. Well, we might make it. Well, we might do this. No. I've been telling Nick here lately, dude, it's, it's on now. It, we, we're, we're trucking on it, and there may be a two million podcasts out there, but we're going to do something different, and it's going to happen – to make us that one in a million podcast. Yeah, definitely. We, we have a lot of things in the works. Um, I would say we're definitely promoting the youth more than we can, more than we ever have. That's kind of direction we're going. Um, next year, we're going to hopefully have a real big bow shoot uh, with working class. Um, those details will come. We'll talk about that on that podcast, but um, we're going to hopefully give away some Genesis bows. We want to, we want to be able to fund. I'm going to start doing some auctions too on our page um, with some vintage gear that we found in a garage from the seventies. Um, we found some old blank hats, some old blank shirts, some different stuff from way back in the day. That's all mint. It was never open. Oh man. Um, that we threw our logos on that we want to auction off. And then the, and that kind of money donated to maybe schools, archery leagues or something. We don't know yet you know, what we're going to do with it yet. Um, but that's going to be pretty cool. Um, we'll add some different other prizes from other companies. We're trying to get a bunch of different people. So the, made the package even bigger, but, uh, I'm sure there'll be some big fish out there that want to donate some money and, um, help a good cause. So, um, yeah, we got a lot of good things coming, but that's, that's really where Gator started guys was, um, you know, basically just throwing it out there. Just, we had a, we had a, we had an idea and, uh, we knew we could do something but we didn't know what that something was basically because we didn't deep down deep, deep, deep enough. And we did that finally. So if some of them, if some of the listeners wanted to buy some Gator gear, what do you guys offer? Like common, most common stuff. Yeah. So actually recently um, we've really upped our game up a lot. And actually there's the website actually is coming full force. Now that's what next week is. And the weekend after is we're, we're putting more stuff on that website for youth, actually for women as well, because that's kind of a market where it's tough to get outdoor gear for as women and, and, and kids. So we want to add more, but um, we are co-branders of True Timber Camo. We have a partnership with True Timber. Everything we do, um, actually, they're very near and dear to my heart. Never um, bought any other stuff prior. I was always a Mastoke Bottomland guy. That's all I've ever worn my entire life. Never um, wore much real tree, but I was at the ATA show and met with some other companies. I won't say names about what we're trying to do. And uh, basically just, they laugh at us because we weren't big enough. Um, didn't have $150,000 minimum order. Um, really was a waste of time. Um, so they weren't really for the little guy. When I spoke with uh, um, True Timber and, and their and their people, we sat down, they actually scheduled a lunch meeting with me. We sat down, um, found out one of the ladies was born not too far from where I live. And uh, we really hit it off and we told them what we we're trying to do. And, but, um, we, we don't have much to go off of yet. I said, someday we hope to make you guys proud and we hope to have, have bigger orders. But I said, we're just starting now. And it was of course, right before COVID. So, um, we ended up hitting way over the sales that we told them we we're going to do. Um, we got them tons of professional content, some great photos from Johnny Utah, um, some really cool stuff. They fell in love with it. We did even bigger the year after this year. We're doing great. Um, so we're happy to have them a part of us. Um, we just slap our logo, you know, on the back of their stuff, and they let us rep it. I mean, that's pretty cool to be able to do that legally. And uh, um, Lakota 
is a partner of theirs as well. That's the lifestyle clothing that you'll see on the website when you get it. It's pretty high end. Um, we decided to go high end with it. Um, just something different than what people are used to. Um, this polo I have on, we have, we have button up shirts. We have a lot of different stuff that people don't normally see. That's really outdoor related. It's breathable. Um, and also obviously hunting equipment as well, but, uh, we're also co-branders for, um, other companies. Um, we actually, one of our big companies that we have on our website, Grizzly Coolers, they're an Iowa brand company, Tacticam, um, Scrape Stick, Scent Crusher. I mean, they're all big brands of ours as well. So ever since True Timber gave us the green light, other companies have followed suit because we've done really well. So um, it's all because of the support we have and what's coming into next week and the week after, which we can talk on our podcast when that comes out, um, is something that you guys will all be able to be a part of. So we're, we're pretty excited for that. That is awesome. Well, Nick, we're getting uh, we're getting down here closer to the end, and I don't I don't know if he's he's ready for it or not. He's given us so much already. He's probably already answered it, but um, he's answered in, in several different ways. Why don't you hit him with it? Um, I, I've been thinking all week how to ask this different because I always ask it the same, but I can't figure it out. But has there ever been a time that that in this industry, the the short time you've been in it, that something has changed? that you feel like might be a tip that you could share with somebody. And I, I know I kind of, that's a long way to ask that because I usually just say, give a piece of advice, but is there just one thing that you've done that that's happened to you other than that kid that's, that's been like, man, this is, this is why I do this, or this is my passion to do this. Oh, lots of them. Yeah. Without crying. Um, think, I don't know. There's uh there's been a couple of times when I got hold up a minute. I'm not going to cry today. You're fine. No, it's it's awesome because I'm just I'm emotional. I, I really do love what I do. Um, when you see kids, I don't know. I've I've been in places where kids shot their deer and uh, you know they wanted to buy a gator hat and they never did because they couldn't afford it. But their dad called me and said, "Hey, he really wants this picture taken by you." And I this one guy, I think I drove an hour and. 45 minutes to give him a hat, and take a picture for him. Um, it was, a, it was probably the coolest thing ever. Um, they, they knew what I went through to get there to take the picture. They stayed up quite a bit late for me to get there. And I put the post on the next day. It was right before Instagram and everything took a big hit on us. I think I didn't even know it was, it was getting good. A lot of people were commenting on it. The kid was going through some stuff at school. Uh, he was, it was bullied pretty hard, um, bullied hard. And when, when he got back to school, he's been probably one of the most popular kids ever since he, since he got that photo on, on Gator Outdoors. Nice. So um, there, it, I thought it was – that night it was all about – I thought it was all about me. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I got to drive out an hour and 45 minutes. I got to get back. Like, ah. It was all about that kid. I had to remember that. And Yeah. Most of the time it's just small things that you can do for someone that goes along with yeah, you don't realize in the industry when you're doing stuff who that's really touching and who's looking. That's the big thing. Uh, on your to piggyback on your question too, I would say one thing too, especially in this industry, is trust no one. And I'm saying that in a good way because there's people out there that I've trusted when I first started that have burned me three or four or five times because they knew what we were doing and and they knew that they could manipulate me in some sort of way because. Well, I let them. So I've learned from them mistakes. And it was really people that aren't even in the industry any longer at all. It was guys that wanted their short little piece of fame and they got out. 
you know? So um, that's one thing about being in my side of things is we have all this product. So people want free stuff, right? You know, that's what the ones free stuff, right. for you know, and then they, you know, basically well, they want free stuff. Well, eventually we got to put some money in the bank. Otherwise this doesn't last very long. Right. So, there's always so many long, so so much long, so many so many days in the week that you just keep out handing out free shit and people, you know, not thinking. <laughs> That's so right. Yeah. The people I work with are very handpicked. They're select um, guys that I trust that I know will um, do well for me. So um, that that really believe in the brand. So yeah, I would definitely say. And sorry to go off on a rant again, but yeah. Just seeing, just seeing kids and supporting what they do, I think that's the biggest thing anymore of what I'm doing. That's probably the only reason why I do it anymore. That's what we all need to do it for, to be honest with you, because they're, they're the next generation. So. Well, the other ones probably listen to the podcast more than anybody else. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you really think about it, that this older generation is not in the podcast, so they're not looking back at it. That's exactly right. Uh, Wade, what are you most thankful for? I know we kind of he probably just kind of hit that too, but. My wife there you go. and my mom. There you go. 100%. Um, my wife is completely, I, my job is very, it's very different from a lot of other jobs because I have to spend eight hours during the day at it. Then I'll have to spend four hours at night on the road. Okay. That's without being with Gator Outdoors whatsoever that day. So what I need to do is I need to spend three or four hours with Gator Outdoors in the morning before my day starts. So I get, it's kind of hard on me that way. So I dig, just to get things organized. Um, and to get orders out to get help the girls and what they're doing. Because a lot of people are talking to me through my cell phone and not through the website to order things because they want to talk to me personally, which is great. I get that. Um, but it does um, slow things down those individuals, which most of them are really okay with it. Um, um, with that, with that scenario anyway. But I think that, I don't know the biggest, the biggest thing with, with my mom for sure, is that when I'm gone on the road working, she's full-time Gator Outdoors and Gator Graphics, and so are the girls that are in that shop. And they are putting all the effort they can into making me happy and helping push our brand, which is great. Um, but without my wife and my mom, this whole this whole thing would implode, to be honest. Yeah. I, I need them both with this. This is not just me. You know, with, you know, you know how you guys, if you need, you need both of you for your job. If you didn't, for your podcast, if you didn't have both of you, it would be tough. It would be impossible. <laughs> I mean, well, I've, you know, and I've thought about that and you, you, you always ask what people are most thankful for. And we're all thankful for a lot of different things when it comes down to the end of a end of the day, we're trying to be thankful for our families and our kids. And, but when it comes to this podcast, there is no talk about it outdoors without Nick. If it was just me here, there's no talk about it outdoors without Alex here. If it's just Nick, it's a relationship and a partnership and i think he and i've had conversations as of late that have really solidified that and made it where it's not about me it's not about nick it's about us and that's the thing that we're continuing to grow on and you made mention you find people that you trust and you find a partnership with well we found it in each other and it's just hey it's it's only going to go up from here and i'm sure gator outdoors is going to be one of those brands in the next few years we're going to see it everywhere, and I cannot wait to see the success that you hold because I think the biggest thing is you have a passion for it and you have a belief in what you're doing, and I think if you continue to stay with that, you, you're going to find success in anything you do, Wade, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on and be with us. Yeah, God bless both of you guys. Thank you for what you guys do as well, and th- help, thank you for really helping me share my story. A lot of people don't get to see the behind the scenes and, and hear from 
you know, the owner of it or any other business for that, for that matter. So um, I just, I'd like clearing the air and uh, a lot of people sometimes don't understand what's going on. They see a lot of different things going on, but they don't know really what's deep down going on. So, um, you know, another thing as well is a lot of people that we do post, you know, some people may not like this person. Some people may like that person. At the end of the day, they're supporting my brand. And I want people to understand that they're supporting Gator Outdoors. Even if you have a beef with them or not, they're supporting my brand. And that's everything to me. And I want to thank you guys for allowing me to talk with you guys tonight. I mean, really, this has been a pleasure. Well, you know, we usually uh, we usually end it there, Nick. And uh, but I've, I've been thinking about doing it a little bit different tonight. And Wade's going to be the first one that we do. So for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for coming and being with us again. It's been an amazing night, Wade Borman from Gator Outdoors. We can't thank him enough for taking the time to coming over and being with us. The Full Draw Assassin guys, the Outdoor Drive Podcast with Trev and Steve. You guys set this up for us, and we can't thank you enough for doing it. But like we always say, old buddy. Don't forget, smile as you go, and remember, mount the memories.